Welcome, beautiful people, to Growthology Podcast. I'm Lorena, and I'm a licensed mental health therapist that is very interested in the science behind all things well-being and growth. And I am Monica. I'm a working mom, a wife, currently a college student, and I'm just an everyday person who's trying to live a happy and healthy life. In our podcast, we discuss topics like personal growth, wellness, mindfulness, and emotional intelligence, and hopes to grow a community of positivity. Welcome back, listeners. If you are not aware, this is part two of a discussion specifically on masculinity. So if you have not heard part one, I definitely encourage you to go back and listen to it. It doesn't have to be in any order. So we're just going to jump right into part two now. So Lorena, we've mentioned toxic masculinity in, uh, I think, a few episodes ago. Why do you think it's important to talk about it just in your experience? Well, personally, I see that it gets in the way of relationships, um, mostly romantic relationships. So I do couples therapy at work and a lot of issues stem from expectations that couples have of one another Uh, so speaking about relationships between a male and a female here a lot of their problems will stem from the way that they were raised and what they're expecting of one another and then when those expectations are not met it creates a lot of issues and the difficulty between understanding where they're coming from and their ability to work through those problems become really difficult to address and just for the couple to feel comfortable talking about. So it's a lot that has to be unpacked. So I think that that's one of one of the main reasons why I think it's important to talk about and learn what toxic masculinity is. The Goodman Project defines toxic masculinity as a narrow and repressive description of manhood. It designates manhood as defined by violence, sex, status, and aggression. It's the cultural ideal of manliness where strength goes above everything while emotions are seen as a weakness. Where sex and brutality are a part of being a man and supposedly the feminine traits which can range from being emotional vulnerable or not being hypersexual are means by which your status as a man can be taken away i think it's important to talk about that definition there is a difference between masculinity alone and toxic masculinity so I want to be clear that being masculine or saying, you know, I'm a masculine person or I like the definition of masculinity, that alone is not a bad thing. Being a man is not a bad thing. Being manly is not a bad thing. But it's the downside that of the societal representation that men have received over generations and generations and that men have learned to adapt that leads to those aspects of the negatives of the toxic side of the violence and aggression so i got from that is masculinity is good and toxic masculinity is bad and 
I think, uh, you know, I do listen to your guys' podcast. And when I first heard you use the term toxic masculinity, it did kind of trigger me. I don't think of those two terms together or like as a married couple, right? Like if you're going to talk about masculinity, I don't think it's totally necessary or that it's, you know, such an important aspect to mention the toxicity because toxicity is a problem itself in any situation, in any regards, right? Like if we talk about, you know, a toxic relationship, if we talk about a toxic person, I think that's more so what we're saying versus that masculinity is toxic or has toxic attributes. Right. Yeah. So masculine is just another adjective. Right. So in and of itself, it's it's not that we're saying masculinity has a negative connotation that is correlated just as femininity. Um, It's just an adjective. It's just a way of being. But when we talk about toxic masculinity, we're being very specific about the downsides that come with that projection of masculinity and what some people think it is versus like what you guys said earlier that you feel it's being vulnerable and open rather than hard and machismo and things like that and thank you for that clarification because i talked to monica about it and chris and and i also you know thought about it myself and i think it's just a uh a great view into how people or women and and specifically view masculinity or the state of masculinity yeah i think um women have really come together and really made huge leaps and bounds i mean the vice president elect is a woman and a woman of color at that which is great and that just goes to show how far our society is is coming along Mm -hmm. you know but on the same token we we just had a president not to get political on your podcast, but, you know, he, he kind of he shows what toxic masculinity can be with his yeah. uh, his rhetoric sometimes. I've challenged myself to change and with my circles and my my sphere of influence, I guess, you know, that masculinity is beautiful, that it is a positive thing. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need to be associated with toxic anymore. Yeah. And, and that's kind of been something that I've been trying to do personally in my life. So I want to talk a little bit about some common things that we, Monica and I, we mentioned we had, we have heard and then some things that you guys have heard growing up or even in the present moment. Um, One of them for me was growing up. If a boy was bullying me or being really mean, my family would say he does that because he likes you. Uh, And that just kind of like really shows what kind of behaviors were okay or said to be okay by even when when your boys growing up. Um, Did you guys ever have any experiences with that? So when you picked on a girl when you were little, did it mean that you liked her? Because I was told that that's what it meant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I have an experience where it was the opposite <laughs> i was being uh, bullied by a girl wow and, mm-hmm. uh, like every it was in kindergarten and first grade i would come to school and she would see me and the first thing she would do was mess up my hair oh like she would run up to me and she would like 
give me a nookie. You remember what a nookie is with the, <laughs> yeah. you know, your, the fist in the head and messes it all up. She would do that to me and she was bigger than me. Uh, and uh, I asked my, my mom why, why she kept doing that. And she said it's because uh, she likes me. So, yeah. So I guess it goes both ways. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I think that's parents, an easy way for parents to say, like, you pop know, out. bullying <laughs> happens. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, just yeah. Move you just, on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I've never done it to a girl. I've never been mean to a girl that, uh, that I liked. I think, uh, yeah. you know, I was always taught to be nice to girls. <laughs> Not saying that I always was or that, you know, <laughs> but, you know yeah. but I always. <laughs> Right, we all. Yeah, yeah, all definitely make mistakes. made mistakes, but <laughs> yeah, definitely never did it to show a f- affection. Yeah, an affection. Yeah, that's weird. Um, I wasn't bullied. Lucky by a girl. I can't. I can't say that. But it's I because they didn't <laughs> like you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, nobody liked me. <laughs> Actually, no one talked to me at all. No, no, think about it. Um. But like I, I was taught the same thing where you gotta you treat everyone with with respect. And my way of showing affection or that I like somebody was trying to make them laugh. That was always my go-to. Um, whether or not I was funny or it worked, uh, yeah, is is arguable. But that was uh, how mm-hmm. I tried to show affection. So I'm gonna read a list of just general comments that you guys might have heard um, in your lifetime, whether it it is something that was said to you directly or just something that you heard passing by. You don't have to say it out loud if you don't want to, but just think to yourselves, are these some phrases that you've heard in the past? Um, Boys will be boys. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's just locker room talk. Yes. Mm -hmm. Man up. Yes. Mm -hmm. Boys don't cry. You better lock up that daughter of yours. Yeah. That one's horrible. Boys. Yeah, that one grosses me out a little bit. Yeah, I don't understand it. Actually, someone this week actually said that to me. Really? No way. Yeah, at the daycare. (laughs) About your daughter? Well, no. I mean, not lock her up, but like. um, You better be careful. Basically, you got to be careful. You better hide your daughter. from. Oh my gosh. Right. And I and I just straight up was like, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't <laughs> like I, you need to teach your right. sons to exactly. behave. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That was uh, you better watch your kid or else, you know. <laughs> uh boys don't play with dolls. Yeah. Yep. Pink pink is a girl's color. Mm-hmm. Yep. You got hit by a girl. <laughs> <laughs> you yep. throw like a girl. Oh yeah. Yep. That one. Monica said that to me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like hey, we to, said, we to, all make to be fair, right? Eric makes a lot of a lot of little pokes at me. That's his way of flirting, right? Uh, uh that's true, yeah, yeah. I guess I do. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I do bully uh, you to show affection. <laughs> Just verbally. <clears throat> Just verbally. Uh, another one is, what are you, gay? Yeah. Don't be such a P-U-S-S-Y. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're so scrawny. 
Yeah. Mm. He can't even grow a beard. Wow. Oh, well, that that one that one hurts. Yeah, that <laughs> that strikes a chord right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a trigger. Uh, yeah, my husband can't grow one either. <laughs> uh, nice guys finish last. Yeah. Yep. Hit it and quit it. Uh-huh. Hey, toot it and boot it. <laughs> <laughs> you're so you're so sensitive for a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Are you on your period? That's <laughs> horrible. So um now you like ha- me? Now you As have to fight them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yep. Don't be such a little bee. Uh-huh. She's got you whipped. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh your wife's not taking your last name. Mm. I see who wears the pants in the house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's your job to take care of the family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't talk about your problems. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Eric, what did my dad tell you when you met him? Oh, many things. Many things. <laughs> Mr. John Yabes has taught me over the last couple of years. Uh I think the the he said I was the gatekeeper when uh, I told him that uh, Monica and I were, you know, gonna get married. Or I was gonna ask him, ask her, excuse yeah. me, ask her to marry me. He said <laughs> he's Wait, he's the gatekeeper. Yeah, we men are the gatekeeper, <laughs> it, and not to not to bash on her dad because I really love her dad. I think he's like a, a really great male figure in my life. Um, that was a good I like those uh yes or no ones. I think uh yeah, I think I've heard all of them. Except for are you on your period? For real? I've, I've never heard been... that one. I've I've heard everything in the book. I used to have a friend. Uh we're not friends anymore. <laughs> That's a great friend. Um, just because of Because he asked you if you're on your period. That, yeah. That hyper masculinity. Yeah, it just um quit being such a yeah. you know a B word. I, I don't know if we're allowed to swear on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but, you can. Um, oh but <laughs> he was just one of those super macho guys and uh, was always saying that shit to me. So it was, it got old after a while, you know. So I interviewed a few men in my life. These are all under 40 years old and I could definitely sense a difference in the way that they spoke versus a lot of the reading that I did while doing research for this podcast. I think that with time, the thought process of of men and what they think, what being a man means, what defines masculinity, and whether that aligns with what they've heard or saw growing up has drastically changed. Um, and I mean, at least in this instance, it, it had changed for the better. Um, so one of the men said that the definition of being a man for him was relearning how to speak from a truly genuine and unapologetic place. It's knowing how to be honest with myself about where my pain and trauma began and working through it to heal. He also said, quote, to be a man is to protect, serve, love, help, build things, take care of your family, stay humble and control your ego. 
And another person said, being a man doesn't really mean much to me. It's just a label that was given to me when I was born. It's a spectrum, and I just fall close to a man. And then when I asked the question about the definition of masculinity to them, some of the things that were said were qualities of determination, strength, confidence, high moral qualities, honesty, integrity, being the leader of the family and always being a superhero to the kids. Um, And then another answer was, to me, masculinity doesn't matter. It's a very subjective set of traits. I don't change the way I am to be more tough, strong, etc. I'm just the way that I am. Um, And then the last question that I had asked was about beliefs aligning, current beliefs aligning with what they saw or were taught growing up. And they said, quote, I saw and was taught that the man is macho and controls the house by force. You don't do the cleaning or cooking. Your spouse does. You don't get questioned. You do the questioning. You show no emotions or feelings. It's okay to have multiple partners. That's what being a man is about. What I say goes, and I don't have to be accountable for my actions. So that was a lot of kind of different um, on the spectrum. Um, So hearing a lot of these answers elicited, I think, a lot of emotions within me because some of them were like, oh, yay, uh, things are changing. But then when I hear this last one, and I remember him specifically saying, like, these are things that are still being taught uh, in my family, that was a little bit, you know, shocking. Yeah, I think that most modern men that I know now, or maybe those that you know, I develop a pretty good friendship with, Mm -hmm. I feel are more in line with the first part of what you were saying. Um, But it's not like I don't know people that are saying the last part as well. Uh Um, So it's just, it's crazy how like vastly different people react to whatever, whatever it is they're raised with. Cause some people are like, no, this isn't what I want to do. And then other people are just like, nope, it's just not even worth the thought of like reconsidering. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear those same people you interviewed their definitions on femininity. Cause I'm looking at it, you know, uh, protect, serve, love, help, build things, take care of your family, stay humble and control your ego that uh, like, my mom does those things, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> they, they don't seem mutually exclusive. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd be interested to hear what their definition of femininity. Oh, that would have been a really good question. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say it seems like uh, kind of a pattern to see. Well, you see, you have a spectrum, but you're also seeing that a lot of their definitions um, can apply to both man and woman. And mm-hmm. I think it's starting to show that, you know, being a man is just another way of saying being an adult for a, a male. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like that that version of it because there is this other time. I'm sorry, I keep bringing up my dad. <laughs> well, he's the biggest male figure that you've had in your life, so it makes sense. <laughs> right, for for the majority of my life. Um, 
But I think like one of the things that he told me is that, you know, like he he was a man and he learned how to be a man. And I'm just like, well, I mean, what is that? Like I take care of myself and I have a job and I have a career and I have all I pay my rent. I do all these things that, you know, would be seen as a man thing. So I was like, so I'm being a man. And he's just like, no, that's not what that means. And it's just like, (laughs) why? It's the same thing. Like you're saying all the things that go into being a man is being a responsible adult. I'm like, why can't I be labeled that? But it's just crazy the the gender perspective and the gender part of it. And yeah, and a lot of it also seemed very um, listening to their answers to me. It kind of made me feel anxious for them, as if like, dang, these are really big shoes that you've been told to fill. Like being the leader of the family and always being a superhero to your kids. That to me was like, whoa, um, that's a lot. Yeah. What do Chris and Eric, what do you feel is the future? And obviously, there's no right or wrong answer. Um, So what do you think the future is in your perspective of the roles for masculinity or just gender roles in general? (laughs) I don't know. We we still have a long way to go. But there's... uh been some really big strides like today uh my my students were sharing their favorite skateboarders and one of them was this uh I can't remember her name but it was this uh female skater and uh, everybody's like oh she's so cool you know and I was just thinking about how when I was younger skateboarding was it was a it was a male dominant uh field of profession or sport you know um right as I've gotten older as time has gone on uh these professions have gotten more inclusive and diverse and it's uh and you're seeing a lot more representation so it's it's really uh cool to see that happening and uh i'd like to see how that ends up redefining gender roles or masculinity and femininity uh I, I really don't know what that would look like in the future. Maybe it, because we're, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, it seems like there's just so much more inclusion, whether you're male, female, gay, straight, unsure of your gender, transgender. Yeah, it, it, we socially, we're way, way far ahead than we were when I was a kid. Uh, mm-hmm. That progress is I agree. really advanced. But I I don't know what that means for gender roles or masculinity because it, it seems to just kind of be fading away almost like you're, you're just who you are. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with Chris on, on both, um, both fronts of his argument. I think, uh, you know, that males are going to have to redefine or altogether undefine what, uh, masculinity means i think um that's something that you know for the longest time i i really struggled with trying to understand and you know i thought it was something then then that changed and it it became something else as i get older i'm starting to see that it really doesn't matter and 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 maybe that's also with the you know the change in time and like you guys were saying how far we've come uh, socially and with the it, the inclusiveness I think it, it's starting not to 
roles aren't starting to stand out so much. And you know, and I think that's just where masculinity kind of drove its power that men had a role to play, you know, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Mm-hmm. And um men had to have these characteristics to fulfill those roles. But as we, you know, continue to evolve and grow, it, it's less relevant. There there still might be some like characteristics or expectations of gender roles. I, I I think that might still linger on based upon somebody's personal needs or personality. Uh, women that still, they want to be taken care of and uh, they don't want to work. They want to stay home. You know what I mean? Like there's, um, I think that those roles uh, will still exist based upon somebody's uh, personal preferences rather than a social construct. Yeah, and if I think if that's people's preference, that's totally okay and that's fine mm. as long as both people are, you know, as a partnership, they're on the same page. And Yeah. I think one of the things that really are coming to mind for me that I know I appreciated watching and I think Eric did too, not trying to speak for you, uh, <laughs> but... Mm. Uh, there there was that Jay-Z interview, and it was, what, in 2017, mm-hmm. I think it was? Has everybody seen that Jay-Z interview with, um, I forget who it was with. But wow, he, I can't believe you remember the year. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but it, he was really vulnerable, and he opened up, and he talked about things from his childhood that led to his you know adult bad decisions and I really appreciated that interview because I thought it was bold for anybody to come forward and talk about things that are that deep especially when you have a highly publicized situation entanglement with your (laughs) with your spouse going on um, so I appreciated that that he was brave enough to do that and that he was so emotionally aware and, and intelligent in himself. And I think that, you know, both Chris and Eric are also like very reflective and I've gotten into pretty deep philosophical talks with both of you and that's why I I, I like talking with you guys because you are that way but I I see you and I see the future is going to be bright with individuals like you that are going to bring up the next generation because that type of male figures in Lily's life and my daughter's life is going to be so impactful just in the positive so I I hope the the future is more like both of you because it's going to be it's going to be good that means a lot thank you um and actually after um our little brief intermission uh me and Chris had a conversation about exactly that um and in regards to uh Lily our daughter and uh how just being a parent kind of um gave new perspective to things obviously it does in many ways but as a man i think uh it definitely definitely did for me um 
And that's because of all those old moral values that we spoke of on this episode about, uh, you know, what did that guy say to you, uh, Lorena, that he can have multiple women? And- um, the interview I did? Yeah, you don't get questioned. You don't show emotions or feelings. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's um, what he saw as a child. And thankfully, mm-hmm. he was one of the ones that didn't keep going with that trend. And, you know, he's a really good family, family man. And he's been able to dismantle that. But a lot of kids that grow up around that will just follow that same trend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's the point I was getting to is that, that I'm glad to hear that as well, that he broke that cycle because mm-hmm. that was, a, you know, pretty common in my family to hear too, to have uh, more than one or two partners is a manly thing and, you know, just mistreatment, act, you know, honestly is what it was, was, accepted and it's good to see that uh more men are trying to break away from that and I, and I think that's something that I push now more than ever and yeah so just to put it out there and this isn't directed towards anybody but how do you guys think as parents and adults we can disband that negative male stereotypes for the next generations i think that for me as as like a teacher not a parent you know Mm -hmm. because i don't have that perspective but as a as a teacher it's accountability you know uh you want you want kids to be able to feel safe and express themselves but when they do something that harms someone else either verbally or physically or whatever you want to correct that and you have to hold them accountable um and avoid the that mentality of oh he's uh you know he's just being a boy you know you know what Mm -hmm. i mean um yeah i think if we are all on the same page in agreement of what it means to be a good human being to someone else that we should hold everyone accountable to that yeah and as a therapist i'm not a parent either but I have, I've worked with kids and now working with, I only see adults now and I see couples is have having that safe space where people can talk about, well, these are the messages that I received growing up and it's kind of becoming a barrier in my relationship right now because I'm starting to do these things and then allowing that safe space for whether it be the individual or the, the couple that that want to work on their relationship, how how this creates issues within that relationship and how could they improve the way that they're treating one another because of what they saw growing up. Yeah, when Lily tells me a boy spits on her, I'm not going to tell her it's because he likes you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say, what's that boy's name? And did you punch him? (laughs) She don't have that two-piece waiting for him. (laughs) So question for Eric and Chris again. When you've heard those phrases that I I talked about before, have you spoken up about it? Or what was kind of like your your knee-jerk reaction where you heard those things being said? In the beginning for me, uh, I'm... I'm what you would call a textbook people pleaser, you know? So, um, and I, I didn't really also understand 
my my own values. I was still trying to figure that stuff out when I was younger. So when I when I would hear that locker room talk, if you will, it wasn't anything that I would really participate in. But I wouldn't say anything either, and I I think that's just as problematic. So, mm-hmm. but as I got older and I started socializing more with different uh, people that don't align with my intersectionalities. And I was going to school and, and exploring social constructs in, in classes and whatnot. Um, I, I really started to see the implications of what that locker room talk has on someone's mental, emotional, and physical health. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that anyone told me that it was wrong. They just had me question it. And I, I came to that, you know, I was being led to that conclusion more. The more I understood, the more I felt confident in what my values are and what I believe in. And now, especially as a teacher, when I see that behavior, I'm able to identify it and in that subtle language and, and be able to address it. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. Teachers need to teachers are like kind of first line defense with all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, the hardest part is really noticing it you know as a you know young impressionable man when you're in in these social groups it's not something that you really consciously pick up on you might internalize it but um being able to identify it and see it is a totally different story yeah and even after that speaking up like you said it's not easy like you have to be Mm -hmm. very sure of yourself and confident and that that comes with time and uh, it's, it's not an easy thing to reach. Yeah, I mean, to speak up against it is exactly what you said: is to be sure of it, right? To have your moral compass, you know, pointing in the right direction, and you confidently believe in it. Which, you know, and as a young man, boy, you know, you don't really have that. I don't think most young people don't have that understood yet, mm-hmm. but. uh yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I admit it. <laughs> that kind of talk has been uh, tolerated by me and people around me. And, you know, I've had my say in that as well. And I'm not proud of it. Uh, you know, I try to stay away a lot from, like, you know, the womanly or, you know, the, the disrespect towards women. But uh, definitely, you know, the uh, man up, boys don't cry, you know, things like that of that nature. Um, I would never say you can't even grow a beard because that's just ultimate disrespect. (laughs) And (laughs) you don't say things like that. You don't Uh, go there. (laughs) You don't go there. That's where I draw the line. But uh, as far as... um, you know, when I started to understand that this isn't right and and this has consequences, um, you know, I I definitely um, I don't participate in it, or at least intentionally, mm-hmm. and and a lot of it is a lot of is bullying is what it really mm-hmm. is. You know, I mean, yeah. a lot of this sounds like peer pressure, but you know, it's it's pretty much just bullying. Yeah. And I I don't think that and I, nobody likes bullies. I hate bullies. You know, so <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Try not to I, be a bully. I have, uh, or I had a friend that falls under that toxic masculinity spectrum there. And uh, whenever I was talking to someone or uh, dating, he would always ask really, uh, really personal questions. Uh, like vulgar questions? Yeah, yeah. And they they always made me really uncomfortable. I never liked getting those questions and I li- never liked answering them. And I would always be like, yo, I, that's, that's my business. I, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. And like Eric was saying is uh, he just kept pushing. It's like a bully, you know, it might be disguised as peer pressure because we were labeled as friends at the time, but like, it's, it's just straight up bullying. I think in, in just being reflective in myself, you know, I think I definitely said phrases that weren't appropriate. And I think now like looking at it, maybe unconsciously, I don't understand those, um, those jaded gender roles and how I just basically encouraged a a culture or a bad environment, a toxic environment, just by trying to be funny and things like that. So I think for whether you're male or female, not partaking in it and definitely I mean is it weird to say something to somebody that's like hey don't be a this and it's like what do you guys think (laughs) I hear you laughing (laughs) Uh, because I feel like that's not something that's really receptive especially if somebody is bullying no you know what I'm not gonna lie I think women you know just historically speaking in, in my own experience are like the best savior protector you can have. I mean, they're like the ultimate, like, bully repellent. I think <laughs> um, we're repellents now. Well, knew no, no. I knew everybody <laughs> ran away from me. Because nobody wants to <laughs> That's be. It. Okay. This explains everything in my life. <laughs> Listen, insecure people. Insecure men cannot stand being told off or, uh, you know, called out by a woman. I mean, nobody likes to get called out, but called out for being bullied by someone that you think, you you know, you have some insecurity or some sort of, uh, you know, uh, ego, right? That uh, tells you you're whatever, that they don't, they can't criticize you, you know, that you're above their criticism is is awesome. And, um yeah, my best friends growing up were girls, you know. Shout out to Sammy. Uh, <laughs> and they were, yeah, they were just that. Dudes that would hate on me, they would stick up for me. And you know what? It, it was it was receptive. It was, very, it was taking a lot better than, you know, say, Chris, you stood up for me. I don't know why, I think. I think that was just That's a- interesting. That's yeah. good to know. Because I think that, for me, I wouldn't want to like put my business and like get in other people's business. But now that you say that, I feel like maybe I should say something just in the same way. Like I think that men who stick up for that locker room talk is making a difference. Um, it's definitely not really something that I've thought about. Yeah. And I think that speaking out can be scary for both men and women. 
but I think it's important to combat all these pressures that men get throughout their lives and like you guys said speaking up when they things do get inappropriate just don't sound right not teaching boys that they shouldn't express their emotions I think paying attention to entertainment that boys are consuming as they grow up is really important Mm -hmm. Um, opening up to other men examining our own unconscious biases and being able to be introspective asking ourselves why we do the things that we do why we think the things that we think and like you guys said do they align with the values that that we have or is it certain things that we're just taught to believe and we've kind of haven't really questioned them at all. Mm-hmm. Thank you both for coming in today and talking about this difficult topic. So we definitely appreciate having your voices being heard and just having that other side of the perspective when it comes to masculinity. So thank you both. Um, are there any closing comments that you have for us today? Just thank you for uh, con- you know, considering me to be a part of this and part of the conversation. I always enjoy these uh, these types of conversations that really challenge and question um, our comfortability or our, our society and why it is the way it is. Um, and uh, it's also allowed me an opportunity to get to know you all on a deeper level. So I'm, I'm really grateful that you invited me here and I could be a part of this. So thank you. Yeah, definitely. It was nice having you two as our first guests mm-hmm. ever. Yay! Very oh, we're first guests too? First guests. <laughs> yeah. I think we, you guys have set the bar really mm-hmm. high. <laughs> now we don't know um, who to get. <laughs> we'll just bring you guys back for the other topic. <laughs> where, do, right. where do we go from here? <laughs> uh. Yeah, no, thank you all for, uh, you know, inviting me to speak on this. You know, I think it's a practice, I think, that uh, more people should be doing, which is just communicating and talking and discussing in a, in a healthy way and about topics that matter. And, you know, I think your guys' podcast does a really good job about talking about topics that really matter to people. And, you know, you guys are very inclusive. And, you know, you had a masculinity uh, episode and you included men, which is dope. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm really proud of both of you, especially you, my wife, Monica, for, uh, you know. Oh having the courage to get out here and talk about these things. It was hard. It's not easy. Aw. Aw. Well, thank you. That was an aw moment. You guys are so sweet. <laughs> well, we definitely appreciate both of you and definitely going to be the best guests that we've had so far <laughs> the only guest we've had <laughs> i like those i'll take it i'll take I'll it <laughs> for our listeners some references if you're interested in any additional information violence against women is a really good ted talk by jackson katz i heard about this great series from miss melanie who is Chris's mm-hmm. fiance? 
about so it's a three-part series it's called man enough and it's with justin baldoni and he is the male co-star in jane the virgin um and he really talks about these concepts in depth so if you're interested in hearing a whole bunch of men talk about this uh, i highly recommend that i think that was uh pretty insightful for all of us that watched it i put the reference of masculine indians conversations about indigenous manhood by joseph boyden uh it's a really good read on uh the conversation we're having, but in the context of uh, through a person of color and and what uh, implications manhood has on uh, those misconceptions of, of culture and communities of color. Awesome. Thank you for that reference. Thank you again to both of our guests. And we appreciate you, the listeners, for coming back and hearing part two on our discussion on masculinity. So, just a reminder for everyone to continue to grow. So, stay growing, you guys.